0: Hello and welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. Today we are talking with Diane Alston, lead entomologist with USU Extension, and she's going to talk about keeping box elder bugs out of your home. We are also going to talk about winterizing your garden area. What can you do so that you'll be ready to go and have a successful garden next year? I'm just calling. I have a lot of box elder bugs in my home and I'm wondering how to get rid of them.
1: Today, we're going to talk about box elder bugs. They are a native insect to the Western US, as well as their primary host, the box elder tree. And that's the reason that they're here and can be very numerous. Although they are a native insect, they can become very abundant. They are not an economically damaging pest in most cases, but more of a nuisance pest. Box elder bugs are generally not a garden pest for either your vegetable garden or your flowering plants. However, there are a few uh, types of si- situations where they can become a problem, such as feeding on ripening peach fruits, where large numbers mass on the fruits and they can cause a damage at that time. But one of the reasons why they are so abundant is that nothing likes to eat them. They have a repulsive odor and flavor to them, and so they're not very attractive for predators such as birds or other insects to feed on. Okay, so what do box elder bugs eat? They primarily feed on the developing seeds of female box elder trees and other related species such as other maples, ash, or other two other common trees in this area that they feed on. These are the uh, trees that have the seed pods that hang down and the young nymphs, that's the immature stage, and the females will feed on these during the spring and early summer. And this is where you can see large numbers of small, brightly red- colored bugs feeding on these trees and and massing around the trunks and base of the trees. In their youngest stage, they look like little tiny red dots, and they can often be mistaken for mites and ticks and other types of arthropods. Well, just like people, the box elder bugs like to spend winter in a warm place, and that's the reason they're trying to get inside your house. The problem with box elder bugs is that they, like to congregate on the sunny or south-facing uh, walls of buildings, especially in the fall as the adults are preparing uh, to uh, overwinter and also again in the spring when they come out and are active and beginning to mate and, and then the females starting to uh, lay eggs on box elder trees. But this time of year in the late summer and fall, you can see them accumulating on the sides of, of buildings and a common issue of them uh, becoming nuisance pests indoors is that they can gain access through cracks and crevices. So a primary way to keep them from entering is to make sure that things like door thresholds are in good condition to block their entry to the house. Also around foundations where cracks and crevices are common, that's another uh, major way that they can, can get inside. Vacuuming is a very efficient way to remove box elder bugs from inside the home. It's best not to smash them because it can stain your upholstery and carpet um, if smashed, but uh, just uh, vacuuming them up is a really simple and effective way. Okay, after um, you vacuumed up the box elder bugs and they're in your vacuum bag, um, to make sure that you kill them and not just allow them to come back out through your vacuum hose, it's important to place the bag inside of a plastic bag, and then you can uh, seal this off and put it in your freezer for overnight, and that will make sure that all the box elder bugs are killed, and then you can put it back in your vacuum and use it again. An environmentally friendly way to kill box elder bugs is to use just common liquid dishwashing soap and mix one to two teaspoons per gallon of water. And then we'll put this in a hose-in sprayer and spray it on the wall where they're congregating The reason the soapy water works is that the box elder bugs have a waxy layer on their cuticle or exoskeleton, and the soapy water disrupts that and causes breakages where they will desiccate and dry out and die. The soapy water is only going to uh, kill the the box elder bugs that it contacts at that time. And so there's no residual effect to it. And so depending on how heavy your populations are, you may need to uh, spray again every few days during the time period when they're most abundant and active. To sum it up, box elder bugs are a native insect to the Western US. Um, they're very abundant here, uh, at least in part because there aren't many predators or other animals that like to feed on them. They generally do not cause harm except in a few situations where they may feed on ripening peach fruits, but their primary concern is that they are a big nuisance pest when they get inside your home. We've talked about a few key ways to prevent their entry into buildings and to wash them off the outside with a very non-toxic soapy water solution. There are other more toxic pesticides that are are very effective against them, but we don't recommend their use because you'd have to reapply them very frequently and they can build up residues of toxic chemicals on the exterior of your home where your family and your pets So it's best to uh, go with something environmentally safe such as the soapy water, or washing them off with just straight water, or using some kind of uh, physical activity such as vacuuming or sweeping them off.
0: I have been over the last couple of months. I still haven't completely put my garden to bed for the winter. There are many things to do to put your garden to bed, and the worst thing is just to leave it there over the winter. The first thing I like to do is make a map of where I planted everything. I have limited space, and to practice crop rotation, I like to map out where I had what so that the next year I don't replant in the same spots, you know, tomatoes in the same place where I had tomatoes. But even further, you need to remember that rotation includes plant families and not just plants. So you would not want to follow up tomatoes with peppers or tomatoes with eggplants. Heaven forbid you put eggplants in your garden. But you don't want to do that. And so the cucurbits, the melons, the cucumbers, Squash, pumpkins are fairly closely related, so you don't want to rotate that family with each other either. After I've mapped where I put my plants, and I keep that map for future reference, the next thing I like to do is to remove all the plant material. The reason we do this is so that we can reduce the possibility of diseases and pests overwintering in the garden. If the plants were healthy and didn't have any inherent problems with diseases or insects, you can go ahead and send those materials to green waste or compost them. However, if they were heavily infested with either diseases or pests, just send them to the landfill. Now, after the old garden plants are out, I also like to remove the weeds. Now, I like to be careful and cut off seed heads. You know, if you have things like redroot pigweed, purslane, These have hundreds to thousands of seeds on them, and it's just good to carefully remove them and throw those away. Otherwise, as long as the weeds don't have any diseases or anything like that, they can also be composted if you're confident that the seed heads are gone. Otherwise, send them to the landfill. At this time, it's good to remove other things you use to garden, such as plastic mulches, stakes, twine, or anything else. One of the last things I'll do to prep my garden is to till the soil. Now at this time, I have a lot of leaves from trees. I might go get some compost from a local garden center or green waste facility. This is the time that you put those into your garden. You don't want to overtill, and so you don't till and then till again because you can ruin soil structure and make it harder to garden in the future. And so the least amount of tilling you can do is the best. Now if you really want to and you have the energy and stamina, you can hand turn the soil using a shovel or a rake if it's loose enough. After everything is said and done, I like to make sure that all my gardening tools such as clippers, shovels, hoes, and rakes are well taken care of. I'll clean the dirt off of them, maybe sand some rust off them if they have them, sharpen them and then I will put a light coat of oil on them to keep them protected over the winter. After I had compiled my list of items to put into this segment, I reviewed YouTube and found a video on putting the garden to bed by Nick Valesky. He is a USU research technician and coordinates Utah State University's vegetables integrated pest management programs. I found that our lists were very Similar, and that wasn't intentional, but I guess what you do to put the garden a bit to bed is what you do. So I want to acknowledge Nick Valesky and acknowledge also that this wasn't a blatant ripoff of his YouTube video. I will put that video in the show notes. Thank you again for listening to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. The Homegrown Horticulture Podcast is a production of Utah State University Extension. Intro and outro music was provided by the Joy Drops and used under Creative Commons. Transition music was by Savannah Peterson and it is used by permission. If you are still listening, the show is over.